Welcome to ATRA, Voices from the Field. This sustainable agriculture podcast is presented by the National Center for Appropriate Technology with support from USDA Rural Business Cooperative. In this episode, Dave Prather of the Western Montana Food Growers Cooperative talks about the challenges that were overcome when the cooperative was created. Never actually given a keynote address before, so uh, bear with me. That's <laughs> right. Um, so Western Montana Growers Cooperative began in 2002. Um, Lake County Community Development uh, received a community food systems grant, uh, and basically they were looking at ways that the local food system could be improved. Um, so they brought in a group of small farmers, uh, asked them what their needs were, and eventually, through a series of conversations, came up with the idea of a cooperatively owned wholesale marketing and distribution service uh, as the best way to not only for the farmers to access wholesale markets, but then also to meet customer needs uh, as far as dealing with multiple farms that way. Um, the idea of the cooperative owned service was important. It allowed producers to aggregate their products together, but also maintain their individual farm identities. Uh, the co-op, uh, as a rule, we don't actually buy food from the producers. Rather, we're just marketing and distributing it for them. Um, at the same time, uh, they're able to pool their resources and uh, share some of the costs associated with uh, you know, the operations uh, and distribution. Um, for the customers, this uh, this provides a comprehensive product line, and they're able to access multiple farms with one transaction. Um, essentially, you know, we look at why people uh, would choose to do business with a company such as Cisco, and there's a there's a lot of benefits to that, as we were talking about earlier. Um, you know, there's definitely things that could be changed with it, but uh, as far as the efficiencies go, uh, there's a lot we can learn as producers and how to make it easier for. Uh, for the customers to purchase local products, so we're trying to learn some lessons uh, uh, with that. And this has been our this is our tenth year operations, and we've learned a few hard lessons along the way. But uh, we're slowly uh, slowly making our way. Um, so we incorporated in 2003, began operations that year. Initially, it was about six growers. I think the first year we grossed about ten thousand dollars of sales. Um, and slowly began to grow. Uh, we began to get a diverse range of producers. It began just with fruit and vegetables. Um, and then we uh, developed some other product lines. We have now got dairy, eggs, cheese, we do grains, lentils, other pulse crops, uh, meats, and then now some value-added products as well. Um, producers range greatly in size and scope. Um, they're located primarily in western Montana along the Highway 93 corridor. As far north as Rollins, uh, Montana. As far south as Hamilton. Um, we uh, expect to move about uh, half a million pounds of food this year uh, with our 40 or so producers. So we've, we've grown quite a bit, um, but we're still, uh, still on the learning end of things, I feel like. Um, our initial focus with customers, uh, we began with restaurants. So that uh, basically uh, was an easy market to begin with because they didn't require such huge volumes. Um, and they were also really eager to, to buy really fresh uh, local product. Um, at this point, about over 70% of our sales uh, go through some sort of grocery uh, uh, store, either a health food store or some of the bigger chain type stores. Um, and then uh, 2006, we began selling to the University of Montana, which is really our, uh, where our forays began into the institutional marketplace. Um, at this point, institutions are roughly 10% of our, uh, 
our business. Um, University of Montana was a great place to start because they had a lot of help uh, on their end. They, they basically created a mandate with a lot of help from Chrissy to, um, to buy, I think the initial percentage was 15% of their food locally and either within Montana or regionally. Um, as many of you know, they've gone above and beyond this. Uh, I think they're over 20% now and there was just an article in the paper they're going to uh, buy over a million dollars with local food uh, this year. Uh, from Montana producers, so it's it's pretty. They provide a great partner for us to uh, to work into that. So, um, more recently, we began working with different public schools. Um, that's been really satisfying for a lot of our growers because many of them have children in school, so they like to see them eating the same good food at home or at school that they do at home. So, um, our success here is really just beginning. We feel like and. I'm, definitely have to give credit where credit's due, and that's to Montana Food Corps, um, and also the national, the national Food Corps team, I suppose. Uh, Carl talked about that earlier, but uh, those guys have just done a tremendous job uh, for really facilitating the access for these people to, uh, to buy local food, even if it's just for snacks, getting a few different items in there. But um, it's such a tremendous uh, amount of labor involved to do that. It's something we really couldn't have done on our own. Uh, we're, you know, we're super tight on staff. We generally work on pretty tight margins, so it's not something we really could have afforded to do. Um, it's now a really grow, big growing part of our business. We do different value-added things to them, and we're really hoping to expand on that. Um, sometimes the biggest hurdle for new accounts is just getting in the door, and having folks like that uh, really helps. I mean, maybe MCAT should look into getting a food court for hospitals, perhaps, to uh, help that along. Um, so we, um, after seeing some success with the schools, we decided uh, last winter that perhaps uh, hospitals could be a good market for us. So uh, we, um, you know, obviously hospitals go through a lot of food. And you can see by the size of the buildings. I mean, we've been talking about some of their food budgets, and it's really tremendous. There's not a heck of a lot of really large food purchasers in Montana, so really if you want to see a, you know, really affect a change in the system, we're going to have to be able to get our local food into these systems. Um, and that means working with, uh, with folks like hospitals, because they're, they're feeding a lot of people, and uh, um, it's a good effort to make. So um, again, I say we decided to approach it, but then again, we've also relied on other people to help us out along the way. Um, we, um, we partner with a few different people for distribution. Um, I think I passed that part up, but we, um, we distribute food uh, pretty much throughout Montana, up and down the Highway 92 corridor, West Glacier, down to Hamilton, and then we also move food to Butte, uh, Helena, Great Falls, Billings, and Bozeman. Uh, we partner with a company called Charlie's Produce out of Spokane. They help us move our food around, and we've used other distributors in the past. Uh, we have a couple of small trucks that we operate ourselves, but we really look to uh, offset some of the costs by partnering with folks. So with our partnership with Charlie's, we were able to kind of meet some new accounts that way. So we set up uh, a meeting with the chef in, uh, in Missoula, who you all may know now. But, uh, and then we also met another chef at different hospital at uh, one of the farm table events um, that Western Sustainability Exchange had set up in Missoula. So we've always had these things pushing us along. And then... Once again, our friends at the Community Food and Agriculture Coalition and NCAT uh, arranged a different meeting this winter um, with other decision makers in the hospital chain. Um, so we really try to expound upon the conversation about how we can work together, um, not only just to provide 
food to uh, say the cafeterias or the uh, into the rooms or the catering services, but you know really for a system-wide change to getting their employees interested in the local food and so them to buy into it. Um, we also happen to operate a multi-farm CSA now, um, which for those of you who don't know is, stands for Community Supported Agriculture. Essentially it means you're getting a share of vegetables from a farm or collective farms as it were uh, each week throughout the growing season. So we've been doing that since 2008. So throughout this conversation with the hospital, we uh, we started coming up with the idea, I believe that Chrissy brought it up. Once again, she's leading the way for us. And um, we were like, well, why don't we give it a try? So we set up a pilot project where we, uh, we provided 50 CSA shares to the hospital that they're able to offer to their employees as a form of uh, employee benefit. Um, so then they can do it before taxes, pay for it. They can also pay for it out of pocket if they choose, but they can all pick it up right there at work, right before they go home. Um, and we were just about to finish up our first season doing this. Um, it's been really exciting for us. Um, we're really looking forward to, uh, to the reviews, analyzing some of what they have to say, and it really provides a big opportunity to expand that part of the program. Uh, wholesale side of things, we got to start this year. It's been slow for several reasons, um, which we can get into in a, here in a little bit. But uh, the important part is we've got a beginning now, so we're going to work really hard this winter, uh, meeting with the purchasers and try to develop a good program um, to meet their needs and to, to really continue what we began this year. Um, so I was thinking about the hospitals, uh, I was trying to figure out a way to model this to uh, where we can approach these as a series of problems. So I came up with five issues that, uh, um, well, that we're going to have to deal with, and many of you probably will have to deal with as well if you're going to sell to, to some of these healthcare institutions or other institutions for that matter. But um, we can just kind of go through them. Much of them we've uh, sort of talked about already. But uh, first one I call just the lack of recent history. So when you see uh, food and hospitals in the same sentence, first thing, and this may offend some people, and it comes to your mind is gross. Uh, <laughs> it's not what hospitals are known for. And, and Obviously, there's a lot of work being done on that to, uh, to change those public assumptions. But uh, for me, as somebody trying to market food, that, that presents an obvious opportunity that we can present them with this great food source that they can turn around and then um, use as a marketing tool. That's, um, that was really helpful for the University of Montana. They're, I mean, so they're going above and beyond buying all this local food, but then they've also they're able to double their money because that also counts as part of their marketing budget. They can turn that into advertising. Hospitals can do the same thing, um, as we were talking about. Um, likewise, promoting the idea of whole foods being integral to the healing process, I mean, both before being sick and just healing afterwards. So we were talking, I think Martin commented earlier, and uh, these guys affirmed that uh, there is data to support that, that it can uh, help move the process along, which is a huge cost saver right off the right off the front there. So um, second challenge is what I call institutional reticence. Um, by this, it's, uh, it's really easy for large institutions to kind of be stuck in their ways and not very willing to, to change. Um, you know, doing things like working with a small local growers cooperative uh, might be a very foreign idea to many of them. So we've made some inroads, but uh, it certainly presents its challenges. So. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we do our best to try to uh, make it easy for people to buy food from us. Uh, and um, 
so we're, we've developed some some systems of efficiency, and that helps just going in the door. But um, beyond that, uh, the best thing is really just cultivating these relationships. I mean, it starts with your food purchasers, but uh, it's got to really be system wide. They're going to have people, as we heard about earlier, they're going to have to deal with the food when it goes in there. So it's um, you have to sell the food essentially to the people who are, who are interested in it to begin with. And, and there's got to be some uh, movement on their end, and then they can sell it to their higher ups. I mean, you want to have them work for you essentially and uh, help them sell your product. If you're getting a good quality product in there, it should be able to sell itself once they begin to use it and they see the benefits for it. But um, um, ultimately, you know, you can never get into these places if you don't have those individual relationships. And it's really become apparent to me this year how much that actually means. We've had a few different accounts where personnel have changed around places where we thought were rock solid and then all of a sudden a single person leaves and then that throws everything into chaos and they um, and it really goes to show that not only having good relationships with individuals but multiple individuals and you know, this goes for anybody you're going to sell to but uh, um, just trying to meet their needs um, as best as possible. Um, third point is regulatory challenges. Uh, touched on that a little bit but uh, one thing, uh, most of you that sell food, probably all of you already have some form of liability insurance coverage. Um, if you don't, you definitely should. Um, it's uh, pretty much a fact of life uh, for whatever you want to think about it personally. But uh, um, many of the hospitals, especially those that work under contract with uh, food service providers, they require higher insurance uh, um, coverage than your average grocery store does. So it's it's something to take into consideration. We um, uh, once we began our work with some hospitals, we had to upgrade our insurance policy, and it essentially tripled in cost for the year. So it's something to look at going into it. Obviously, you have to look at how much that's going to cost you and how much product you're going to be able to sell there. And you know, it's simple cost benefit, but it is something to, to take into consideration. And this, of course, is where I can plug the cooperative model and that we're able to share some of these costs over a multitude of farms. Um, but, but it is something to consider. The next one is food safety regulations. Um, the Food Safety and Modernization Act passed. They're still in the process of writing the rules and implementing them, but there probably will be changes uh, underway. We're certainly thankful that people trust us as growers, uh, and obviously we make sure that we're working with growers who are, care about their product and uh, obviously plan on producing healthy food for everybody. But uh, that's something to, to be aware of moving forward, and it's, I think it'll affect some of the larger buyers, especially the institutional type buyers, more so than, say, your small natural food stores. But um, staying ahead of the curve is probably going to be the best solution. We're going to begin a program to train all of our growers and approve good agricultural practices to make sure everybody's on the up and up, um, just so we're not caught uh, without. So, uh, Fourth challenge is supply. Um, as we keep mentioning, these guys like consistency, they like efficiency. Um, many natural food produce buyers or restaurants are really happy and sometimes they like the quirks and uh, dealing with the local food system. Uh, sometimes it can become endearing to them, but uh, many of the institutional markets, they don't have the time and resources to deal with it. So if we really want to make an effort to get more food into these places, we would do our best not to waste their kitchen staff's time with uh, errors or product that doesn't meet the quality standards, etc. So um, one thing we've tried to work on this year with 
the few hospitals we're working with is really pick a few items that'll work that you're comfortable with and uh, you can provide consistently. And, you know, it's about baby steps and we're going to be in it for the long haul, so we want to start off slowly um, and work our way into it. Um, the other thing that we've talked about briefly as well is uh, the processing aspect. Um, we have a partnership with Mission Mountain Food Enterprise Center in Ronan to do some processing of vegetables for some kitchens. You know, as much as they may want to, they're not going to chop down carrots or what have you. So it's something we're looking into, especially on the fresh vegetable and making that, um, making people aware that it is available and also developing the process as we go along um, so we can work together and meet some of their, uh, their pricing needs. We've, we found working with schools actually, especially on the value added end, that we, by buying in bulk because it's processed, we can do a lot of second grade uh, product. Um, we're able to be quite competitive in price, which is really surprising for us. Um, that's actually the last point I was going to bring up is pricing, which is has always been difficult for us. We're mostly organic, naturally grown, so it's uh, we sort of start off at a higher price point um, than many of our other conventional distributors. So that's something we've had to deal with. Um, the other solution is working with the economy of scale, of course. I mean these. Uh, big buyers can go through a lot of individual products, so that, that can help you be a little bit more competitive price-wise. Um, next steps, conclusions. We're, uh, I kind of look at this as creating awareness on both sides of the delivery truck, as it were. I mean, for, uh, for hospitals uh, and these buyers, uh, just trying to create an understanding with them that there are other options out there besides the status quo. Um, it may require some more legwork uh, initially. Um, for growers, it's uh, realizing enormous potential with these market holes. I mean, they're, they're huge and really could be significant uh, for our food volumes if we can make it work. So we would do well to work slowly with them and, and really make an effort. Um, theme of this event is uh, healthy farms and healthy people. So for growers, farmers, uh, there's a few of you in here that work directly in that. Uh, you understand that farming is more than just a business to you. Um, we think of it as an, it's a, it's an expression of faith that by nurturing something as tiny as a seed, you're able to provide sustenance for others. Um, not only is fresh, nutritious food is a cornerstone for healthy living, and uh, hospitals happen to have a mission who, uh, to produce uh, or to care for the health and well-being of citizens. So. It seems a pretty natural fit for, uh, for the two to work together. Um, we're really, really interested in making it work, so we're, I, don't know, I think we should work together and do it. You can find other episodes of ATRA, Voices from the Field, along with ATRA's other sustainable agriculture resources at www.atra.ncat.org. That's www.attra.org dot ncat dot org